Welcome to the 216th day of the year, which can also be classified as August 4th, 2021. None of the information contained in this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement should be regarded as classified, for it is all public information put together by me with lots of links to primary sources. I'm Sean Tubbs, and my goal is to help as many people as possible understand all of the moving pieces. In this edition of the program, Charlottesville City Council discusses a rezoning in Belmont, bringing up issues of affordability and ensuring safe connectivity. Charlottesville hires a new planning director, and an international developer has submitted rezoning plans for 525 units on Old Ivy Road in Albemarle County. In today's Substack-fueled shout-out, Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech, data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit the Code for Charlottesville website to learn more, including details on projects that are underway. The summer surge in COVID-19 continues, with another 1,717 cases reported this morning by the Virginia Department of Health. The percent positivity rate has increased to 6.5% statewide. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 37 cases reported, and the percent positivity is at 4.2%. The Central Shenandoah Health District reports 39 cases today, and the Central Virginia Health District reports 34. Across the state, there are some interesting geographic variances. For instance, the Alexandria District reports 19 cases, while the Leon-Wisco District in far southwest Virginia reports 53, and the neighboring Mount Rogers District reports 49. Six months today, the Virginia Department of Health reported 3,059 new cases. The agency will update a dashboard that breaks down cases by vaccination status on Friday. If you have questions about what's happening, you'll have the chance to ask health officials questions at a town hall that the Blue Ridge Health District will hold tomorrow, Thursday, August 5th, at 1 p.m. Panelists include Dr. Denise Bonds of the Health District and pediatricians Dr. Paige Periello and Dr. Jeffrey Vergalis. You can register on Zoom. Charlottesville has a new director of the department that oversees land use and zoning within the city. James Fries will be the next Director of Neighborhood Development Services, a position that's been held by Alexander Ikafuna for the past six years. Fries is currently the Director of Community and Economic Development in the town of Natick in Massachusetts, a position he has held since November of 2019. Before that, he worked in land use positions in Newton, Massachusetts. He also served four years as a city planner in Hampton from 2005 to 2009. This will be a return to Charlottesville for Fries, who graduated from the University of Virginia with an undergraduate degree in psychology. He also earned a Master of Community Planning from the University of Rhode Island and a Master of Studies in Environmental Law from the Vermont Law School. In a release, Fries said that he's excited to be returning to Virginia and eager to get to work. He will report to Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders and begins work on September 13th. 
a developer that builds rental housing throughout the world, has filed an application with Albemarle County to rezone 36 acres of undeveloped land on Old Ivy Road for 525 units. Graystar wants to build on property to the west of the University Village Retirement Community in Huntington Village. Here's a bit from the narrative for the proposal. The residences planned for the property are proposed to be entirely for rent, at least initially, in response to a strong interest in rental properties in the area. In all, there are five properties involved in what's being called Old Ivy Residences, all but two of which are zoned already at the R15 zoning category required for the density. One five-and-a-half-acre property is zoned R1. However, there was also an application to change the status of steep slopes on parts of the property from preserved to managed. The lands are currently owned by the Filthy Beast LLC, Father Goose LLC, and the Buyer Family Investment Partnership. According to the narrative, there would be 77 single-family homes, 43 townhouses, 58 duplexes, and 312 apartments. Again, all rental. Market research demonstrates a demand for single-family residences for young families, young professionals, graduate students, and retirees who desire more space but are not interested in or are able to purchase a home at this stage of their lives. An existing pond on the property would be retained and serve as open space and for stormwater management. Some of the land had been purchased by the Virginia Department of Transportation for the Western Bypass, a project that was canceled in 2014. Ah, smooth jazz. That lets us know that it's time for another subscriber-supported public service announcement here on Charlottesville Community Engagement. Over the course of the pandemic, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society provided hours and hours of interviews, presentations, and discussions about interpretations and recollections of the past. All of this is available for you to watch for free on the Historical Society's YouTube channel. There's a lot of great work on there, including an appearance that I made sometime in the last year, and lots of interesting things about what's happening in the community. Do check it out and let me know what you see. There's an age-old question in land use. Which comes first, the development or the infrastructure? Should developments be limited in size if all of the pieces aren't yet in place to support additional residents? This topic came up during Council's consideration on August 2nd of the rezoning of 1206 Carlton Avenue in Belmont, which will allow development of an eight-unit apartment complex on a lot that is currently empty. The project also requires a special use permit. City planner Matt Alfley represented city staff. The applicant is also requesting that the side setbacks be modified from 13 feet to 8 feet. The application materials indicate the height of the building would be approximately 40 feet, but no greater than the R3 allotted 45 feet. Charles Neer of Chestnut Avenue appealed to council to deny the rezoning, as a previous council had done for that property in October of 2018. Petitioner has come back again uh, asking to rezone the property, increasing the density from six to eight and not increasing the parking. The project is being developed by Management Services Incorporated, a firm represented by civil engineer Justin Shimp 
who we'll hear from later. This rezoning comes at a time when there is heightened attention on the cost of housing. Alfali said the Planning Commission had asked Shimp about how much it would cost to live in the apartments. The applicant stated it would be 1100 to 1500 range for the mix of one and two bedroom units within the development. The Planning Commission also stated that this type of housing, the missing middle, would support more housing opportunities in the neighborhood. In his presentation, Shimp laid out the dimensions for the proposed building. So the premise here is we have a small building. It's 26 by 94. So it's essentially about the size of two single-family houses stacked side, you know, back to back. The stairwell in the center is about the scale of the house, uh, being three stories. Four of the units are one bedroom, and the other four are two bedroom units. Shimp also said this proposal contains one more parking space than the one denied in 2018. It is not intended to be luxury type housing. The developer of this is not into that. We're trying to build a simple structure with you know, moderate priced housing. Shimp stated the rents would effectively be within the range of affordability for people and households making 80% of the area median income. He said the property had been zoned R3 until a citywide rezoning in 2003. Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker had concerns there was not enough parking and that the developer would not be required to add sidewalks elsewhere in the neighborhood as part of the development. She said the city should not have to be the sole party responsible for building infrastructure to support growth. The developers are talking about feasibility. We never ask them any questions about what that means in terms of profit for them. And I know I've been told quite a few times that's apparently not our business. How can they ask us for more, but then we think that something is, you know, necessary for a neighborhood and especially uh, hopefully for the new um, community members that if we're talking about um, walkability, that we want them to be able to walk somewhere and be safe. And I just don't understand how we... um, think that um, that is not something that is acceptable to tie in to a request when a um, developer is asking us to build more than they can build by right. Councillor Lloyd Snook said if the city is going to intentionally increase density, there need to be plans for how the infrastructure will follow. Whether the infrastructure is provided by the developer or whether it's provided by the city at our expense, uh, and as I look at that area, the first thing that concerns me is that the streets are all pretty narrow. Uh, the lots, most of them are pretty close together. Uh, and, and that's fine. Um, but if we're going to have, uh, if we're going to have close together lots and, uh, and an emphasis on walkability, then we also ought to be having an emphasis on sidewalks and sight lines on the roads that we've got. And a lot of the roads not only are narrow, but they kind of twist and turn a little bit. And I, I would just like to, to think about whether there are things that the city would recognize that we would want to do in that area. There is no small area plan for Belmont. The 2007 Comprehensive Plan does have an appendix that compiled neighborhood input that had been collected by the defunct Charlottesville Community Design Center. There's also the 2015 Bike and Pedestrian Master Plan, as well as the Streets That Work Plan, which is intended to make streets serve pedestrians and cyclists. 
Those are handy documents to have, but city engineer Jack Dawson says they're not always useful in cases such as this. There is sort of a missing link, I would say very generally, between developing a single property and looking at the overall multimodal network. But in the case of 1206 Carlton, Shimp pointed out that there is a sidewalk on one side of the road. He said the issue is a request to build a sidewalk onto Chestnut Street. We have sidewalks on our side that get you all the way into Belmont. Not an issue. There was a question of could we connect across the street? And that road comes down at a pretty uh, rough slope. And I don't think it's possible to build a sidewalk over there without substantial work, probably right-of-way condemnation. And that's where I think the discussion was sort of followed outside of the limits of this project. Councillor Michael Payne has joined council since the October 2018 vote. He said he supported the project as a good example of infill development that would provide workforce housing. You know, I was just comparing it to some recent apartments that have come online. These are half the rent of some of the new apartments that have come online. Walker wanted to know what would prevent those units from increasing in rent anyway. Shimp said the design of the project would limit its worth on the open market. The square footages are not uh, substantial. It's a smaller unit. Uh, it's going to be a, there's not swimming pools or other sort of luxury amenities. It's just designed as a workforce housing structure, basically. That's sort of the neighborhood it's in. Walker said that at one point, her house in Belmont was considered workforce housing, with small homes on small lots. Mill workers at the X building, and now you have houses that are selling for um, $300,000 and up. One home on Walker Street that is blocks away sold in June for $452,500, or nearly 48% over the 2021 assessment. Shimp said a lack of non-luxury units in the community on the market helps contribute to the rising market price for housing. He again said this project would provide the missing middle, prompting a question from the mayor. So when you are saying missing middle, what does that mean for you? That means something that's basically more than a duplex, but less than a garden apartment building. Shimp said that missing middle was about the structure and not about the income of those who live in it. However, he also said he would be submitting a triplex to city officials and hoped the rent in those would be in the $800 range. Walker continued to express concerns that the units would remain at that lower rent without a guarantee. Shimp said he would like to see a city policy that would make it easier to build houses with rents at lower price points. That is not currently in place. Councillor Lloyd Snook said there was not much the city could do to put an affordability guarantee in place. In a market economy, I don't know how you guarantee that kind of thing more than a few years down the road anyway. There was no official vote on this rezoning because a second reading is needed before they could take the vote on the special use permit. However, a majority of councillors did indicate support. It will come back up for approval at a future council meeting. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for August 4th. Can you believe we are up to this point of the year? Thank you very much if you have listened to this. And thank you, well, again, I've said before, I can't thank in the podcast people who have just read it. I can only hope that one day they will see that the podcast is the true 
and superior form. But of course, however you get this information, I really do appreciate uh, you sending it on to somebody else. I also do appreciate anybody who was able to kick in a few dollars. Um, some guy handed me a $20 bill on Friday and said, keep up, keep, keep going with the newsletter. So if you see me on the street, I will take your money. But you can also do it much easier and subscribe through Substack. You can donate through Patreon or you can send me something through Venmo. Um, what would you get for those things? There is a handy dandy guide someplace on the infocbill.com website that will tell you that information. I'm Sean Tubbs, the president of Town Crier Productions. Glad to be doing this another day and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. 